And so as always, before we continue to study the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, and so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God, in true righteousness and holiness. To f this is the great purpose. It was ordained by God before the creation of the world because he intended on creating a man, Adam, a person that was a flesh of the flesh or in the flesh and allowed him to make a decision between good and evil and the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that he can select life and from its fruit he can then clothe himself into the new person, into the spiritual person. But this, of course, did not happen with Adam. Not everything was lost. However, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who received the uh, body and the flesh, and as the second Adam became the spiritual person in Jesus Christ. We can do this. This is the calling of every holy person. If this calling is, to, is somehow perverted or changed or is removed from before our eyes and is not our goal anymore, then our salvation will be threatened. To fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. These are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee which is, of course, not told to many saints when they come to God. They come to God and they people tell them that the salvation they've received is in the form of fruit, even though we receive salvation in the form of a seed as a guarantee. God never gives anything in the form of fruit. He gives it in the form of a seed. It is necessary to receive it into your heart, to grow it into fruit, and only in this fruit do we then receive it, the salvation. If this doesn't happen, then we will lose our salvation forever, and our names will then forever be blotted out of the book of life. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stop to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth?
Relevant to this, we've already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the conditions that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, to destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of the reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. But before I uh, bring forth this condition, I want to show that the stronghold of life in the form of the kingdom of heaven is erected in three realms of a person, in three aspects of a person, in the spirit of a person, in the mind of a person, and in the body of a person. And so there needs to be there needs to be order and it needs to first be in the spirit and then when it's in the spirit it's born in the spirit when we cast off the old person with his deeds and put on the new person in this way we first cast off the old person we then clothe ourselves our soul into our new person we give ourselves access to the mind of Christ our mind is renewed and becomes the mind of God and afterwards because we have this renewed mind we then erect within the body the kingdom of heaven upon the very place where the stronghold of death is located that the old person relies upon and what is the armor of this old person we eliminated because God Christ with his teaching has destroyed the handwriting of requirements that was against us and this elimination happened due to his holiness and of course he did not eliminate this holiness in the law he just uh, took his stricter law which is stricter than the law of Moses the law of grace is stricter than the law of of Moses and he cancels out this law of Moses therefore with the with his grace and we have been studying the stronghold of life uh, in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High because everything that God will do with us he will do it using the confessions of our heart he needs to hear the word out of our mouth with which he would be able to do something his words and this word will be the faith of our heart that we receive by hearing the word of God and this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in our life when we are putting off the old person with his deeds we can call upon the most high as to our God and confess the faith of our heart stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ what God has done for us in Christ Jesus and who we are to God in Christ Jesus <clears throat> we've noted that this event is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God most high and the confrontation 
confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul, together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. As you can see, in our body there is a sufficient amount of kingdoms. The kingdom of Saul, this is the mind of a person that has not been subject to circumcision and the mind of Christ that David represents and there is a fight, a battle going on with Saul he doesn't want to eliminate Saul Saul is necessary for him because the new person is not able to by himself do something he needs the body, he needs the members of the body but in order to have access to these members he needs the mind of the soul the intelligent aspect of the soul to work with and David David however does not raise his hand against the anointed of God against Saul against the mind although he wants to destroy the sin he does not agree but God then performs a miracle he delivers David from all of his enemies the psalm was written when God gave David victory and delivered him from all of his enemies and the hand of Saul this did not mean that Saul was destroyed yes Saul was destroyed but his his grandson was left the son of Jonathan and he sat at the table of David at the royal table and the relationship then changed David looked at Saul uh, looked at Saul and Saul at David in a negative manner in a negative way but now David and this grandson of Saul have a good peaceful relationship and so this is the, the kind of situation we need to have within ourselves what needs to happen in ourselves it's a very interesting symbol it is by the means of our faith the confessions of our faith stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God, God has done for us in Christ Jesus God receives the uh, required basis or required grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him into hell with noise we note that in character the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. This was the grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. If you have the correct motives of the heart, then the expression of your wording, the, the form of your words will be correct. Your expressions, your wording will be correct. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. And the third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind because it is written in an epic format. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High. There are more of them, names of God, but David here brings forth eight of them. Eight is the number of the covenant. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God that note the covenant 
David had with, with God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, to be saved from his enemies. And for God, discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God grounds or proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in his names, these eight names that he, David, had mentioned in battle against the enemies of David. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the power of two names of God as strength and rock, and stopped to look at the lot contained in the power of the name of God as fortress. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High is the strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body. David was the exception of all other kings of Israel and Judah because he immediately had, he simultaneously had three virtues, three roles. He was a king, a priest, and a prophet. No one except for Moses possessed the same three qualities. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his purpose or his earthly body in the status of a king, a priest, and a prophet, then this revelation purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality in Lexus identifying the name of God, Fortress, that has become the subject of our study is not able to be found in any existing dictionaries of the world. In the given prayer psalm of David, the word Fortress is used as one of the names of God in which is concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and through whom a person is able to run to God in order to know God and be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, containing a program and a time of fulfillment of all of the oath promises of God. In Hebrew, the name of God, Fortress, is identified in Scripture as the dwelling place of God, God's place of living, the sanctuary of God, the unapproachable light in which the Lord abides, the place upon which a person gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. This is the atmosphere of God's success and God's joy, the hope of God and the trust of God. Practically, the lot in the name of God, Fortress, is a place where God abides and within the boundaries of which we are able to know God and to be fertilized with the seed of the kingdom of heaven. And the placement <coughs> of this fortress is located in three unique realms, in the heights of the heavens, in the sanctuary, which is the body of Christ, that is the chosen by God remnant, that is the church of Christ, that does not separate itself from the unity of the faith of all the saints in all denominations. 
and the heart of a man, one who has a humble and contrite heart, and one that trembles before the preached word of God, hearing it from the mouth of the person who he has clothed into, into the power of a father from God and from the mouth of the helpers of this person, developing on the consistency of the law that is contained in the name of God fortress, we need to not forget one undisputable law, and that is that God can be our fortress upon one condition, and that is if our heart will be his fortress until our heart becomes his fortress, he cannot be our fortress. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He has no stronghold. He has no fortress in this heart for me. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. In other words, his parents, his father, did not acknowledge Christ and did not accept his teaching, the truth. And Jesus said to him, let... And so this, this man says, allow me to bury my father. I have to honor my father and mother as the law commands. And when they die, then I'll follow you. Jesus said to him, let the dead, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and not bury, but bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9:57 through 62. According to the words of Jesus, in order to become a partaker of the inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress, it is possible only when we follow the footsteps of Jesus in the form of his disciples whose heart became a fortress for Jesus, in which Je Jesus can then lay his head. And so it is necessary, again, that our heart not have these holes for foxes. This, is, this means that a person relies more on prophecy rather than the words of God, and nests for birds are unclean thoughts that we allow to weave a nest in our heart. When Martin Luther had said, you cannot forbid the birds to fly over your head, but you can forbid them uh, to weave a nest on your head. And so one of the conditions of following the footsteps of Jesus as the, as the fortress of God, it is necessary to allow the dead to bury their own dead. These represent that category of parents that being Christian, people have rejected the offered to them truth in the form of the preached word of God's delegated ones and refused to pay the price to be the students of Jesus. The consistency of the lot contained in the name of God Most High in the virtue and purpose of fortress as the house of prayer is for us a strategic teaching purpose for performing prayer, providing God proper grounds to enter into our life in order to fulfill His will, elevated by Him for us as His given law. As well as one of the most important and necessary disciplines or truths called to participate in our salvation as well as our coming to power over our calling, which is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ.
Therefore, our lot in the name of God fortress becomes one of the primary goals that all of the redemption of God is focused on and that on your list of priorities is to be placed above all secondary good works and goals. We conclude here that the name of God Most High in the form and purpose of fortress is a place that, independent from circumstances and time, we are called to run to in order to receive grace for needed help, in order to know God, abide within God, and be fertilized by the, seed, the seeds of the truth in order to grow the fruit within our spirit. According to this definition of the name of God contained in the virtue fortress, we see how or upon what conditions God is able to be a fortress for the redeemed by him nation into which his nation could run in order to know God and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven within their spirit. Considering the sequence in which David presented the names of God that come one from the other and discover themselves in one the other, so that God can receive proper grounds to join the battle in order to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, we have noted that the lot and purpose of strength as the name of God Most High consisted in clothing a person into a two-layered garment of justification that can protect him from the deadly cold of sin. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Proverbs 31, 21, 25. The lot and purpose of rock as the name of God Most High, coming from the strength of God, consisted in clothing the spirit of a person into the power of perfect peace, where a person is able to weigh himself upon the scale plates of righteousness to measure his worship and weigh it. You will keep him in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. The lot and purpose of the name of God Most High Fortress consists in a person being able to run to and approach God in Jesus Christ in order to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Because to approach, to run to, is not just entering a room, this is getting to know God. These are words that are used in scripture between a husband and a wife as in an intimate manner or a close, uh, close manner. And so the purpose of the name of God Most High Fortress, again, consisted in a person being able to run to and approach God in Jesus Christ. So we can run to Him and get to know Him because not a single person in this world had the right to enter into the presence of God or to approach God in order to know Him and to unite with Him into one. Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22. Their noble shall be from among them and their governor shall come from their midst. This is the governor of the nation of Israel shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? You shall be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 30, 21, 22. You see when God will be our God and we his people, when we will be able to approach him through the governor that will come from their midst, the midst of the nation of Israel, from David.
from his line. In other words, only after we weigh ourselves upon the scales of righteousness, purifying ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit with the abilities that are contained in the lot of the name of God fortress, we will receive the right in Jesus Christ to draw near to God and get close to the lot that is contained in the name of God fortress in order to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, the verb to run to God as to our fortress contains the opportunity giving the person the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the promise that belong to the door of our hope, in the fruit of which God receives proper grounds to join the battle for our bodies in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body. And with noise forever thrust him out from within our body, this old person, whose stronghold and armor is the stronghold of death, upon which he relies and trusts. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to God means to approach the altar. And I shall approach the altar of my God. Draw near to know God. Enter into the sanctuary of God. Get closer to God. Run to God's help. Find yourself in the fortress of God. Be able to fertilize. Be, be able to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven and grow fruit of the spirit. Due to such a list of definitions, the lot and name of God fortress contains various meanings, and independence of the circumstances and time, it is of many meanings and contains many angles. Therefore, first the name of God as fortress that is placed into our heart is called to be the legitimate level of a relationship with God where you get to know one another. A person gets to know God and God gets to know receives proper basis to get to know man. Second, the name of God as fortress placed into our heart is called to provide a person the ability to receive the seed of promise that God has ordained in the fortress of his name from the days of old, but that this person or we, due to specific reasons, have not been able to receive. Here we're talking about the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. Why were we not able to receive it previously? Because due to our spiritual growth in our new person uh, the reproductive function has not yet been formed giving him uh, us the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. And so infants in Christ or fleshly men do not have this function, and so when they hear the words of the kingdom of heaven, they don't understand it. They think that they understand it, but they don't understand it. They don't have the ability to understand it. To understand is to accept, to receive it, to be fertilized with the seeds of these words. Third, the name of God fortress is called to incorporate the participation and power of God into all aspects of our life to give us the opportunity and ability to approach God and by doing so be fertilized by the seeds of all the truth and as a result the name of God deliver we can then bear fruits of the spirit because of knowing the fortress of God to be able to clothe us into the virtue of his light in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and with noise thrust him out this old person into hell therefore every time when God by the means of the Holy Spirit allows a person to run to or approach God in Jesus Christ then in result of such closeness we will always have a corresponding or suitable fruit that in that aspect in which we have been allowed to run to God to considering therefore as in the previous names of God we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one of the aspects of our life in no way means that this name of God is automatically or guaranteed to be present in other aspects of our life life. 
According to the revelation of Scripture, in order to have the presence of the fortress of God, each of the individual aspects of our life needs to be worked to the right condition or purified from dead works, so that within our heart we would not have holes for foxes or nests for birds, so that the power of God would receive legitimate grounds to produce within uh, this aspect of our life the fruit of righteousness, giving us the legitimate right to approach God as our fortress in order to obtain a fullness of salvation. <clears throat> Therefore, it is us in every individ individual aspect of our essence are responsible to form such an atmosphere that would be able to become for God his fortress so that in this way we give God legitimate grounds to be our fortress and such an atmosphere is called to be the good soil of our heart capable of receiving the seed of the preached word of God so that in the name of God deliverer we can grow the fruit that is according to that nature of the received seed. Independence of our choice and following that choice decisions and actions that will determine if God will become our fortress or the opposite will become our revenger and our hater. And this choice is in our decision to either carry responsibility for our our calling and our selection or the opposite refuse to carry responsibility for your calling and your selection and draw the anger wrath of God upon yourself therefore if we don't make a decision and will not take upon ourselves the full, uh, to fulfill the received by us obligation in our covenant with God God will not have any grounds or need to help us or be our fortress and he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Luke 22, 41-43. The angel of God began to strengthen Jesus and was sent by the Holy Spirit. And this was when he made the decision to fulfill God's will that contained or consisted in giving his body for his church. If you pay attention here, we're talking about the body. He died in the body. The teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, everything is linked to the body. Because when we receive salvation, our spirit becomes different. We obtain this new person in our body. And after that, when we submerge into the death of the Lord Jesus, we cast our rod, we deny our nation, the house of our Father, and the desire, the destructive, the corrupt desires of our soul. God then becomes our God, but the body continues to remain in the power of hell. The body contain, continues to be in the power of hell, and every one of us experienced this hell that comes from the fire of corrupt desires and wants that the old person promotes living within our body and in our body there is then a great battle between light and darkness and the battle that will be won will depend on us who we give preference to God or the devil as the old person. God says, I want for you to understand one thing, that you can right now, when you hear my words, 
about the fact that in your body the stronghold of life will be erected and I will give this to you at the door of your hope before I will rapture you that at this time I will return your vineyards to you your youth and the valley of Accor you will immediately need to accept this and begin to consider yourself dead to sin living for God and proclaim the not existent as existent the non-existent adoption of the body by the redemption of Christ as existing and God said I will account this to you as righteousness and from this moment you will become carriers of this heavenly body you'll say well Lord when will this happen we continue to carry this corrupt body and hell in ourselves try to not pay attention to this hell and look not at this hell and what's happening in there but looking at what's happening in heaven who God is for you what he's done for you and who you are for him and the testimony the given testimony we see about Jesus we can see that to create an atmosphere that would provide God the ability to help us and give us power to run to him is the collaborative and everyday work between God and man where a person who has the sovereign right would be able to give God the legitimate basis to his strict conditions of becoming the fortress of God so that our heart would become upon its conditions his fortress at the same time God as a response to such goodness and openness of a person to him would be able to receive the legitimate basis to become a fortress for this man where a person can run in order to satisfy his hunger and thirst in order to know God and draw God's favor upon himself and the seed of the kingdom of heaven considering such a union with God and man it becomes vital for us to identify in every aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, in the study of our lot, in the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, we came to the necessity to look at four classical or series of questions. First, what characteristics and criteria identify our inherited lot in the name of God fortress? Second, what purpose when it comes to accomplishing our salvation is our inherited lot in the name of God fortress called to fulfill? Third, what price do we need to pay in order to provide God the ability to be our fortress? And fourth, by what results do we determine that God truly is our fortress in fulfilling our calling. <clears throat> First, not having a clear uh, answer to these questions that we can receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith in the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have any ability to turn the silver of our salvation to profit so that we can then receive it as in the form of interest or in the fruit of the Spirit and without being obedient to the preached word of the person who has the ability or the responsibility and power of a Father of God we will not have then ability to if we don't if we're not obedient then we will not have the ability to bear the fruits of righteousness we have in a specific format studied six components of question one what characteristics and criteria identify 
our inherited lot in the name of God. Fortress 7. The fortress of God for us is the fear of the Lord that as the wellspring of life will separate us from the nets of death. They will continually be cl- uh, nearby inside, but this fear of the Lord that will be within the person, within his heart, within his renewed mind, will distance us as a cloud that stood between the Israelites or that was placed between the Israelites and the Egyptians, the Egyptians that needed to destroy the Israelites, they heard that voice but were not able to do anything. The Israelites were afraid, but God told them, them, don't be afraid. You already have something that will separate you from them. This fear of the Lord, this was this fiery cloud that did not allow uh, death and life to uh, get in contact. In the fear of the Lord, there's a strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Proverbs 14.26 When God becomes our refuge in the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is within our heart the fortress of God. and allows or gives us the proper basis to be to have God be our fortress. The children of God is a category of people that are filled with the fear of the Lord and abide within the fear of the Lord <coughs> which represents for them the fortress of God in which they can be fertilized by the seed of righteousness in order to bear the fruits of righteousness called to be enthroned within their bodies in the form of the stronghold of eternal life. Romans, 5, Romans 5.21 So that as sin reigning in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says in the Bible, and God said to Abraham, I count to you this as righteousness when we believe that this promise actually belongs to us, that we have died for sin, God will immediately account this to us as righteousness, and grace at this time is enthroned within our spirit. The enthroning of of grace within our heart, by the righteousness of our heart, is supposed to happen within the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord abiding within us. Therefore, the fruits or the results of the fear of the Lord within our heart will always be linked to the confessions of the faith of our heart. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Proverbs 31, 30 through 31. Our gates, the gates of our essence, through which the Lord enters is our mouth, <clears throat> the confessions of the faith of our heart. When we say, maybe according to your word, Lord, when we hear these promises, this promise enters into us. It says, give her of the fruits of her hands, because our feet are the symbol of our motives, our altar and our hands is our prayer that we are bringing, it, bringing to God. Give her of the fruits of, her, of this prayer. The fear of the Lord, or the fruits of the woman that fears the Lord, is the confessions with, of, uh, with the mouth, the faith of God, abiding within the heart, in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord, because it says here, she fears the Lord. The 
fear of the Lord within the temple of our body is like three sacred items that were in the tabernacle of Moses and the golden ark of the covenant. This was the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron and manna. <clears throat> because the fear of the Lord is the wisdom of God that is within these sacred items. The golden ark of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, the rod of Aaron, <coughs> which was blooming, and manna that did not get that did not rot there, and the fruits that did not dry out in the ark of the covenant. Can you imagine? Hundreds of years passed by, but in the ark of the covenant, the manna did not rot. When in the field, if people violated the the commandment, they gathered the manna today and left it for tomorrow. If, say, tomorrow there's no manna, what will we eat? Then worms would uh, form in there. But here, worms did not form. It was fresh and, and good. Hundreds of years pass, but it is still fresh and good. Also, the, al uh, the almonds that the rod of Aaron brought forth, the rod of Aaron was of almond wood. When all of the leaders had placed the rods uh, before the Lord, their rods before the Lord, the rod of Aaron bloomed and 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 there was fruit. There was the, the almonds, so that they see that God wanted to show these people, these men, that they can't be arrogant and that the only way for them to draw near to Him is through this person whose rod had bloomed and put this rod into the ark, so that it be a memory for the nation. These three again sacred items that were in the golden ark of the covenant. <coughs> If in the heart of a person that is to be an Ark of a Covenant, there's an absence of the fear of the Lord, then all of his good works will be qualified as evil, because the fear of the Lord is one of the components of the fruits of virtue. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. When is he filled with the fear of the Lord? When the spirit of counsel and might is upon him, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his, e of his ears. And so when the spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge are upon him, he'll be able to uh, not judge by the sight of his eyes or hearing of his ears. And so the churches that do not teach about the fear of the Lord and only know them as slogans lose their right to be called the church of the Lord and are subject to be destroyed. In the world, there are a lot of real fears and all kinds of phobias that exist. Fear that is forced, also that is some of the forms. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Proverbs 28, 1. I paid attention to in the in the animal world. The lion is calm. He he's calmly laying and resting, and even when there's a gun, uh, 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 there's a. Uh, uh, 
noise from a gun behind him, he will not uh, stand up and look around. Other animals immediately react and start looking around at what happened. And so this is a symbol of the unclean one, the wicked one. He's always afraid. He doesn't know where misfortune will come from, but the righteous knows he's in the Lord and he's safe. That no one will be able to enter. He is completely calm. Yes, even if the body is uh, tor uh, in torture and pain, uh, he still will not be able to be forced out of the fortress where he belongs in God. Practically the whole world, including infants in Christ, people of the flesh, Christians, are full of all kinds of phobias and fears. Prophecies, we could quickly need to run from this state because the Holy Spirit says that that soon the ocean will cover the state. And so if it does, Paul was on the ship. The ship had sunk. Paul, together with the ship, suffered, and he ended up at the bottom of the sea. God took him out from the sea because he did not finish fulfilling his calling. Until we fulfill our calling, we are not afraid of ato atomic bombs or any kind of bombs. Democrats or Republicans, we're not afraid of secret organizations of all kinds. No one, we're not afraid of anything because we have the fear of the Lord. That is the atmosphere so that God can find his rest. This is his fortress. And the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to enter into the fortress of God. And so all of these forms of fear that exists in the world are not compared with the unearthly nature of fear that comes from the powerful and all-consuming name of the name, name of the Most High. And it exists in all of the names of God that are to become our inheritance as we know. In Bible, the word fear stands for various forms of suffering as well as various forms of peace. For example, and so the same word can be standing for different kinds of things and replace, say, uh, certain words. For example, when the word fear is translated from the Greek word klipsis as shy heart and sorrow, then the focus is primarily on the external reasons for suffering and not on the inner state of the person. There exists fear that is linked to the suffering of labor when the time for bearing a child, she's already hurting or suffering. <clears throat> she understands what's happening when she begins to feel pain. Uh, and so she's afraid. One that has never borne a child, she's heard about this, but she doesn't have this true, real fear in these things unless they've experienced it. And so there's, again, suffering and labor, the fear of enemies, the fear of death, fear as a constant satellite that commits evil, and finally fear <coughs> before a Judgment Day. <coughs> and so uh, fear, there is fear that exists of being denied by God. In the Bible, we see a fear that is also in loneliness, 
that a communication or relationship with God can free free you of this fear of loneliness. And so Jesus overcame the world with all of its fears and phobias of fear and has placed or given for to a person and offered to him in the fear of the Lord as the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven where a person can come so that he can be fertilized with the seeds of victory the seeds of peace seeds of joy and gladness so that in the name of God Redeemer you can bear fruits of victory over all fears that destroy men and all those who have received salvation but have not subjected themselves to the truth that is in the order of the body of Christ. And so the scriptures offer a victorious uh, victory or this victory over, over fear of the world. A person that does not experience fear before the Lord lives an earthly life where there's no place left for a relationship with God. But at the time when you stop or your relationship with God is lost, your purpose of living is gone, because only God can be the true purpose of living. And so such a person then has fear of vengeance for rejecting God. In order to silence this fear of, uh, of, uh, of what he's done, he creates and continues to create all kinds of uh, active uh, self-sacrifice or so-called good work or evangelism or all kinds of forms of distraction that distract the people uh, and themselves. And what is unfortunate is he then uh, greets his own death to th in this kind of uh, somewhat blinded uh atmosphere away that he's created for himself, this form that they've created for themselves, self-justification. And so if there is no the uh, fertility organs are not formed within within a person, this thing, this is then will happen. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For their hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and their heart, and, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Matthew 13, 14, and 15. A person who knows the fear of the Lord, who finds himself in the fortress of God, elevates himself above all the fears of the world and is free from all the fears of the world or any form of fears in the capacity in which he is filled with the fear of the Lord. That's how much he'll be free or delivered from phobias and fears of the world. And so your correct reaction to the fear of the Lord will depend on your reaction to the fortress of God. In order to be filled with the fear of the Lord and find yourself in the fortress of God, it is necessary to identify its wellspring and identify it as God identifies it in His Word. The fear of the Lord that demonstrates itself in the fortress of God and is one of the names and virtues of, of, of our Heavenly Father. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. Isaiah 8, 13.
as the place upon which the Lord abides as the actions that God performs upon this place bear the fruits of the fear of the Lord. False miracles and signs do not promote the fear of the Lord as they form a euphoria, noise and disorder and pride because the purpose of false miracles are directed to blinding a person. And you've been a witness to these things. You are not new to the Christian world. You've seen what happens amongst false worship and false charismatic so-called charismatic churches, false uh, charisma is the practice of spiritual gifts. If they truly were practicing spiritual gifts and if they truly if true miracles and signs were, would have been happen there, happening there, they would have been uh, encouraging the fear of the Lord and they would not be jumping around the stage like monkeys. People who speak God's word needs to be according to the word that he speaks. When a priest begins to speak, uh, <clears throat> when, he, when the priest began to speak his words, they would, uh, he had a pedestal upon which he sat and from there he taught the people. The priest did not uh, did not teach the people standing up. Jesus, when he taught the nation, he sat down. You will not see anywhere a teacher in Israel where they would be standing. It is written, yes, the priests sat, but people stood all day and listened. But here is the opposite. The teacher stands and everyone's sitting. That doesn't mean that you need to be standing, but because in the New Testament there's no uh, need for people to do this. I was in one church, in the Baptist church. The Word of God, when it was read, they, when the preacher would read the Word, all had to stand and listen to the Word. In the Orthodox Church, they also do everything standing up uh, in their services quite often. When an American uh, gentleman had been recording the uh, a, a film or a documentary on, on Putin, uh, he had a very large hallway, uh, it was almost like a very large meeting hall, which was his living room. And so he then looked at this living room and asked him, why is there no couch here? And so he then asked, what do you think, you, you could st sit before God? And so his entry into his house, the pre pre uh, president of Russia, is his altar. He made himself a living room as an altar for himself. He would enter through. I've never known a president, even kings didn't do this, that were uh, truly orthodox people. I'm just I'm just showing examples of of respect here. Uh, to jump around, shout, and make other animal sounds is not uh, respectful towards the truth, and this is not uh, acceptable before God. All this time I understood, all this time I understood and talked about this, but in, by habit I always stood uh, at, the, at the front until God allowed it. 
that I would fall almost unconscious at times, the first time, second times, and I had to then start sitting down and sit everyone else down. Of course, if the necessity is there, I will, I'll stand and, and, and do that. I just wanted to show an example of when a person sits, it is, it is uh, dignified to do that before because it is respectful uh, to the truth, uh, to the teaching. God has uh, seated us with him at his right side. And so miracles and signs that are done by the Holy Spirit, they enlighten a person and promote the fear of the Lord, from which the heart of a person then is humbled before the hand of God. The fear of the Lord, uh, to be filled with the fear of the Lord that demonstrates itself in the fortress of God, uh, comes from information that is in the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 111.10 This is not the only place of Scripture that talks about the fact that the fear of the Lord is the wisdom of God. Depending on what our mind is, uh, <coughs> independence of what our mind relies on, is what our God will be. The fear, uh, third, to be filled with the fear of the Lord that demonstra demonstrates itself in the fortress of God flows from the holiness of God and is is holiness, is identified as, as holiness. Thus is the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples amongst whom they are scattered, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I have gave, which I gave to my servant Jacob. Up, and they will dwell safe, safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgment on all those around who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God. Ezekiel 28, 25, 26. A symbolic place because securely is where people live in the millennial kingdom during that time people will live securely when they have the fear of the Lord they will then live securely safely fourth the fear of the Lord that demonstra demonstrates itself in the fortress of God it comes from humility and is a demonstration of humility and so humility bears the fear of the Lord. It grows it and bears it and is a demonstration. The fear of the Lord is a demonstration of humility. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Not uh, Humility... And so again, uh, humility and the fear, so it comes from humility. The Lord, of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 22, 4. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so gentle and lowly in heart. Rest is in the fear of the Lord, Matthew 11:29. And being gentle, in order to be gentle, you need to be humbled. And so gentleness is another ge discipline. Gentle and 
lowly in heart. Uh, gentleness is when a person by himself humbles himself. The gentle, they humble themselves. God does not humble them. They know where they need to humble themselves and do it. Here comes a person from the uh, line of Saul and throws dust at David and sp uh, speaks a lot of very foul words against him, negative words against him. And so bold and confident men surround David, heroes. And they say, Master King, we will remove the head of this dog who dares to speak this way to you and he told them leave him alone maybe God will see my humility and shows me his favor this says what that the saints of God know that if someone has begun to do this to them, this is not just because God has allowed it. God wants to give something to this person. But to give to this person, a person needs to first demonstrate his humility. And where will he demonstrate humility? You can destroy this person, but you don't, because God has allowed this person to say these things against you. People begin to seek why, who did it, Let, may it be proven, and people get upset. David said, no, maybe God will hear and see. And so gentleness, <coughs> humility is a very beautiful uh, quality where a person humbles himself. Fifth, the fear of the Lord that reveals itself in the fortress of God is pure, abides forever, and is in the judgments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Psalm 19, 9 through 11. <coughs> And so he is, and so the words of faith that are sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. And so in following these great words of God, the true words of God, he will be safe because I, uh, I'm, I follow the fear of the Lord. I'm in the fear of the Lord. I have then great reward. Sixth, to be filled with the fear of the Lord that demonstrates itself in the fortress of God is an identification of the love of God, agape, that drives away any form of worldly fear because these two are opposite one to, uh, opposite one from the other qualities are not able to exist together. There's no fear in love. And so this is talking about love agape, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. First John 4, 18. It's talking about those who fear that are afraid uh, worldly fears, phobias. The wicked one uh, runs when no one's chasing him, kind of thing. Any kind of earthly uh, fear promotes suffering. At the same time, fear of the Lord is the opposite, promotes uh, a trembling, but a reverence and a great uh, joy and also a boldness. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Not a fear that, oh, what will happen tomorrow? What if the uh, government programs are closed down? What if I get sick? If the economical programs or there's always going to be something. The prophets, uh, false prophets always uh, make afraid uh, the people the people of God or, or, or any people. They, the, the true prophets of God show them who they are in Jesus Christ, what God has done for them in Jesus Christ, and who they are to God in Jesus Christ. Prophecies are given for comfort and edification, not correction. But they are always trying, uh, foretelling some kind of misfortunes and uh, if this doesn't happen, then this horrible thing will happen. And the poor Church of Christ, the weak, uh, that is of the flesh, that are still infants, they're ta uh, running from one city to another, from one state to another. They're always uh, thinking what they need to do. They're uh, even get married per, uh, per prophecies. Uh, and so you yourself need to make those decisions. Are you ready to be with this person, live the rest of your life with this person, be intimate with this person, and so forth? One sister came to me and told me, I like this person and I want to marry this, this man. And I asked her, imagine yourself with this person closely. Uh, or intimately, have you thought of that? And I asked, she said, no, I haven't thought of that. And then she's like, oh, thank you, Pastor, I don't want to marry him anymore. It's very interesting, she wants to get married, but she can't even imagine being intimate with this gentleman. I, why I say this, uh, because this gentleman was very uh, uh, unpredictable, and the way he looked, uh, you, it was very uncertain whether he truly was uh, a Christian individual or wasn't. It was questionable. And so I then asked her, I, I, I intentionally want her to think about those things because this person was not, uh, it was difficult to determine. And so, so, of course, you need to be uh, comfortable with a person that you want to marry. And if you sit together, when you communicate together, that it needs to be pleasant and comfortable. If you feel shame all the time or, or embarrassment with the, this is not the person, of course, you need to be marrying. Seventh, the fear of the Lord <coughs> that demonstrates itself in the fortress of God is the treasure that is imperishable. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6. Eighth, the fear of the Lord that demonstrates itself in the fortress of God is the altar of the Lord to which we need to approach or the one we need to approach in the 
temple of our body. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43, 4, 5. When the motives and goals of the heart are in accordance to God's will, then the motives of our heart that identify the altar of the Lord are for us a fortress of God, where our heart has the ability to know God so that you can be then fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. Considering that the altar of the Lord in the format of our motives is the joy and gladness of God, we need to conclude that if the will of God in the place by us goals is not a joy and gladness of our heart, then for God such an altar will not be able to be joy or gladness. And furthermore, such an altar does not have the legitimate right then to be called an altar of the Lord. To get to know God where we receive the ability to be fertilized with the imperishable seed of the kingdom of heaven is called to happen in the atmosphere of joy and gladness. Furthermore, the atmosphere of joy and gladness within our hearts that happens from the oath promises of God becomes the fortress of God which gives us the legitimate right then to approach God, the God of joy and gladness, to get to know God and His good intentions toward us and be then fertilized with the seeds of these good intentions that in the fruit of our spirit are called to make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The atmosphere of unearthly joy and gladness is examined by our relationship to the carriers of righteousness and those that are carriers of lawlessness. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. A Hebrews 1.7 through 9. This is taken from the 43rd Psalm. And so, a fort fortress for God, our heart, is in the situation where our hate toward the lawless and unclean is equal to our love to the carriers of righteousness. I looked and there were no one to help, and I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury, it sustained me. Isaiah 63, 5. What helps God to demonstrate His holiness to the wicked will allow also us to demonstrate God's holiness toward them, so that God's holiness in hatred toward the lawless would become within our heart a fortress for God and furthermore our hatred toward the wicked for God's sake will separate us from the wicked as weeds are separated from the from the grain uh, and wheat so that he can then place us into his storehouses. Not demonstrating God's holiness in his hatred toward the unclean and wicked to separate yourself from the unclean and lawless men, we will then inherit the same lot that they will inherit. We talked about this recently. Curse Mirah, said the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against 
against the mighty. Judges 5.23, Miraz is a city of Niftali, people that refuse to come and help and helped and supported a wicked person who did a lot of evil against the nation for a long time. Psalm 139, 21, 22, do, not, do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Psalm 139, 21, 22. And so hatred is not emotions, but your separation from the unclean. And when we separate ourselves from the unclean, then we lead our feelings. Not our feelings leading us, but we lead our feelings. No servant can serve two masters, Jesus says, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, Luke 16.33. Here it's talking about money, our reaction to money. If we are dependent on money, then that means that our God is mammon. If we rule over money, we are not dependent on money, then we worship our God. What role is the fear of the Lord to fulfill within our heart in our and our mouth when it, uh, in, in our relationship with God and God with us? Being filled with the fear of the Lord that demonstrates itself uh, in the fortress of God. If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so again, being filled with the fear of the Lord gives a person the ability to get to know God. The fear of the Lord is power that gives us the right to enter into God's fortress to get to know Him. A person who does not have the fear of the Lord or who is not taught and does not and is not filled with the fear of the Lord actually does not know God and does not love Him. How can you love God whom you have not known or are not getting to know? And so the statement of the foolish uh, where they say they love God but do not ha have his fear this is absurd knowing God you unite with him and getting to know God where you unite with him you are filled with the fear of the Lord <coughs> and we then are placed into Christ and Christ is placed into us and so when we by the means of the fear of the Lord by getting to know God in the fortress of his name are placed into Christ he represents our interests in on earth, in heaven, and in hell. And of course, such a knowledge about God by the means of the fear of the Lord happens by the ma a manner of learning where a person then pays the price for learning and is humble. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Proverbs 15.33 and so, <clears throat> the knowledge of God that comes to us uh, in the form of a teaching allows us to fulfill God's commandments and opens up access to the fortress of God. <clears throat> oh, that they uh, had such a heart and then that they would fear me and always keep my commandments that then it might be well with them and with their children forever. 
And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Considering that our time is up, let us uh, bend our knees and pray. I will not continue further today. I will ask the leaders of our cell groups to continue and finish this, of course, uh, the rest of the sermon. We pretty much have gone through most of it, but we need to refresh uh, certain aspects at times. Let us bend our knees and pray and thank God for the words that we were able to receive today. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your mercy and for your love that I can be with your people upon this holy place that your hand has appointed to worship your holy name, that I could together with your people hear your words, listen to them, accept them into my heart, and have them diluted within my heart. I thank you for this privilege to get to know you and acknowledge your authority. I thank you for your great promises that belong to the door of our hope where you prepare our body for rapture. And in order to prepare our body for rapture, you call us so that our body become holy, so that it be separated from impurity, so that we not come in contact with sin and with what is unclean, so that we hallow and be holy in our spirits but also in our bodies. We thank you that you teach us how we need to keep ourselves in purity in order to prepare our body for the erection of eternal life within it and the erection of the kingdom of heaven where you can boast before heaven and hell and before all the earth what you have done for your children that have accepted your fear, have been clothed into the power of your fear and abide within your fear that gives us the ability and opportunity to run to you so that we can understand the word that you direct into our heart so that the seed of the word would fall into the good soil and bear good fruits. We thank you for your greatness, for your goodness, for your mercy. May, according to your mercy, all illness and weakness be destroyed and all curses be destroyed in your saints that are upon the path of rapture that prepare their hearts, their bodies for change. Today, we, according to your great goodness, your revelation, 
We proclaim and state that our bodies are heavenly before heaven and hell and all those who surround us. And so people will consider us foolish seeing these earthly bodies, but we will say that we are carriers of the heavenly body. Lord, this is an honor and a privilege for us. This is how they behaved with your prophets that proclaimed the not existent as existent. We thank you for this privilege to know you and to acknowledge your authority. And so may your mercy be a blessing in this revelation for your people. May your people not be ashamed before men so that you not be ashamed of, of them before your angels. You said, if you will be ashamed of me, then I will be ashamed of you before my Father that is in heaven to take you to myself. We thank you that we are not ashamed of you. We keep our face lifted. We thank you that you have made our heart bold and that we joyfully look to the future. May your name be lifted up upon this place, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In finishing our service, we proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.